Clear is a faster way into Capital One Arena. Download the free Clear app to beat the crowds on game day. Enter through the Clear Lane at the 7th and G Street entrance across from Clyde's. And a feed for Lars Heller is going to cut into the San Jose zone. Tried to leave it for Farivari. No shot possible. And the Sharks on a breakout, which will end the game. With five seconds left, a pass out in front. A little too far for Svechnikov. It'll sail to the corner. And the San Jose Sharks come in and humble the Capitals. Final score, four to one. This is Caps This Morning with John Walton and Ben Raby on Caps Radio 24-7. The Capitals stumble on home ice to San Jose. A mixed bag weekend after a big win in Boston and all the news we missed during the break and a big week coming up. Good morning, everybody. Today is Monday, February 13th. Welcome to Caps This Morning here on Caps Radio 24-7, presented by Clear, the faster way in a Capital One arena. After a win in Boston that could be argued was one of Washington's best of the season on Saturday afternoon, the Capitals returned home and turned in one of their worst of the campaign, falling 4-1 to the San Jose Sharks yesterday at 7th and F, where the sense of urgency was very much there in Boston as the Capitals try to hold on to a wildcard spot in the Eastern Conference. Poor puck management, not nearly enough offensive chances, and not enough effort led to a lopsided loss against a San Jose team well outside the playoff picture in the West. Evgeny Kuznetsov had the game's only goal for the Caps late in the second period, Charlie Lindgren did not have a lot of help in front of him, and the Caps wasted an opportunity to put distance between themselves and the teams chasing them. The race on this Monday morning looks like this. The Caps have the first wildcard spot with 62 points. Pittsburgh holds the second spot with 61. But the Penguins also have three games in hand on Washington. The Islanders have 60 points in ninth. Florida is in 10th with 58 And the Buffalo Sabres in 11th place in the conference with 56. And it should be noted, the Sabres have four games in hand on the Capitals. The margin for error is very slight for the Caps with 27 games to go. Florida will be in town on Thursday night as the Panthers look to gain ground in a head-to-head matchup. All right, so after a busy weekend, the Capitals with a very exciting week. Carolina in tomorrow. We'll see Florida on Thursday. And then, of course, the stadium series at Carter-Finley Stadium Saturday night, 8 o'clock ESPN and right here on the Capitals radio network. And Ben back with us here this morning as we come back from break. We missed a lot of news over the course of the better part of the last two weeks. Let's start with the signing of Dylan Strom, a huge commitment put forth by Brian McClellan and the Capitals. Five years, $5 million a season. We're starting to get a little bit of an idea of what the future of the Caps looks like. And down the middle, Dylan Strom's going to be a big part of it. Hey, you miss a day. You miss a lot right over the course of the bye week. But good on GM Brian McClellan and Dylan Strom and his representatives to take care of business. Yeah, the five-year term, I think that speaks as far as Dylan Strom is concerned to quote-unquote, finally get some long-term security in his career. He acknowledged the other day in speaking to us, acknowledging between Arizona and Chicago and now Washington, 
bounced around a little bit the early start of his career, but nice for him to find some stability, the long-term security here now in Washington, and able to build off of what's been a very good, encouraging start to his Washington tenure. We also asked him what has allowed him to enjoy that success in Washington, and I appreciated the candidness that he offered. He gave a list of things, but he spent quite a bit of time acknowledging, you play with Alex Ovechkin, it's good for business, and ultimately Alex Ovechkin has made a lot of players money, but... Dylan Strom with Alex Ovechkin and Connor Sherry quite a bit as well this year. He's found a home on that top line, and he's held on to it pretty consistently. Provides the offense, and at 25 years of age, soon to be 26, still on the younger side, just entering his prime. I think there's a lot to like from a Cavs perspective there. Not the only signing over the course of the All-Star break and the bye week. How about the signing of Sonny Milano? A three-year deal, $1.9 million per season for a guy that came up in the Columbus organization, didn't work out there, didn't work out in Winnipeg, didn't work out in Anaheim despite 14 goals there last year, and he didn't even have a job, didn't even make the team after coming as a PTO to Calgary in training camp, and it looked like maybe his career's over. Good on him to be able to realize the opportunity here, and the Capitals at what I would call a pretty team-friendly rate. If he's able to score 10 or 15 goals a year, that's a great contract. Yeah, no, he's provided some welcome secondary scoring since joining the club and making his Capitals debut going back to November and we were wondering he came in there was some adrenaline and he was excited right off the bat how long that might carry on for and really he's been pretty consistent there's been ebbs and flows but for the most part pretty consistent over the past few months he's established himself really as a fixture in the lineup and I think we saw that in January when Backstrom came back and Wilson came back and for the first time all year we were looking at a mostly healthy forward core and despite being the new guy, despite being the guy making the least amount at that point, he remained in the lineup. And I think that spoke to the trust that he had earned from Peter Laviolette and the coaching staff. It had spoken to the resume he was starting to build here. And keep in mind, John, that's without the benefit of training camp, without the benefit of a preseason in these parts, really just learning and adjusting on the fly. And a guy who I think as well recognized after opportunities in Columbus and Anaheim and Calgary with the PTO, he had to make good on this one in Washington. And to his credit, he has made the most of the opportunity and good for him as well to lock up some long-term security. So the Caps making moves in-house. The Metropolitan Division arms race heated up while we were gone as well. Bo Horvat, now a New York Islander. Vladimir Tarasenko is a New York Ranger and already some great chemistry over the weekend. Four goals for Artemi Panarin on Saturday. Tarasenko playing alongside. So teams in the Metro are beefing up and the Capitals certainly every game so important the rest of the way, but the Metro, man, this is going to be a dogfight the rest of the way. Yeah, and the New York Rangers creating some separation between themselves, still in third place in the Metropolitan Division, but creating some separation between themselves and those teams behind them, namely the Capitals, the Penguins, and the Islanders. The Rangers really trying to firm up, shore up their spot within the top three, and it leaves the Capitals to contend with, again, the Penguins, the Islanders, Panthers, Sabres continuing to provide some backside pressure, but New York, man, that could potentially be a juggernaut. They could score goals Vladimir Tarasenko is adjusting just fine seemingly in his first two games there. It gives them another proven playoff performer, a Stanley Cup champion. His playoff numbers, you know, his goals per game in the postseason even stronger than in the regular season. A guy who's not shy to as well play a little bit of a heavy game. And they're going to be a tough out, the New York Rangers. And regarding the New York Islanders, you know, we'll see if it's ultimately enough for them. They've lacked quite a bit offensively. Obviously, Bo Horvat gives them a spark. And he, too, is adjusting just fine. Goals in three straight entering the start of the week here. 
year. You do wonder if they still have enough around him, but certainly a team that's at least not going to go away and will remain a threat in, in the race and still just a couple of points off the pace here. Want to go back to Saturday to talk about the game in Boston where the Capitals facing the NHL's top team, a team that had only lost one game at home in regulation all season. You're coming out of the break. You don't know what you're going to have. Peter Laviolette said as much after the game. You're, no matter how much you prepare, you haven't had any game action in the better part of two weeks. I thought the Caps shook off the rust. They got timely scoring. That might have been the best game we've seen Garnet Hathaway play, certainly on the list. The home run celebration when he fell on the ice after getting hit by Connor Clifton, it had a little bit of everything, but a huge win to get the Capitals started here in this incredibly important month of February. Yeah, and what I liked about it, one of the takeaways for me, John, was just the low-scoring, blue-collar nature of the game. It wasn't flawless, as to be expected with two teams coming off 10-day layoffs, but there wasn't a whole lot as far as offensive finish in this one and the Capitals this season. We've spoken about it so often, that magic number, right? Three goals. When they score three or more, they have a terrific record. When they score two or fewer, not so much. And with that win on Saturday, it improved them just to a modest 318 and three when scoring two or fewer goals but look going ahead now as we get into springtime later in the season you're going to see a lot more games like this where the goals aren't necessarily plentiful and you have to be able to win a game where you're leading 2-1 going into the third period and you have to clamp down and your goaltender has to step up as Darcy Kemper did and your penalty kill might have to come up big as the Caps did in the third period against the league's uh, one of the top power play units in Boston so there were a lot of elements to it that to me screamed springtime hockey, potentially playoff hockey, but just the low-scoring nature of the game for the Caps to win a game like that, I thought bodes well potentially moving forward. Last thing as we look at the week ahead, this is a huge week, and not just because the Caps are playing outdoors in the stadium series in Raleigh on Saturday, but the division-leading Hurricanes will also be at Capital One Arena tomorrow. You've got the Florida Panthers who are surging and trying to get back in the top eight. They're in town on Thursday. Big game, big game, really big game the next three for Washington here. Yeah, big games and all part of a very busy stretch right out of the bye week. Five games over the course of eight days culminating outdoors with the stadium series and the one game that intrigues me there is the Florida Panthers a team which has underachieved overall this season based on their standards the reigning president's trophy winners who were looking to take a next step instead they're in in a dogfight really for a wild card spot but in January just before the all-star break and the bye week you get the sense they're starting to turn it around again it hasn't been flawless for them since the bye week coming off a loss to Colorado over the weekend but that said they're not going to go away they were trending in the right direction going back over the past few weeks. I think that's going to be a big game that the Capitals have to be aware as well, not to look ahead at the Stadium Series game when you do have the Panthers first off on Thursday night. It's the Capitals and the Carolina Hurricanes tomorrow at 7, 645 air on 106.7 A Fan and Caps Radio 24-7. Heard at CapsRadio247.com. Ben, have yourself a Monday, will you? Happy Monday, John. For the latest on the Capitals and hockey news around the clock. Let's go, Caps! Tune in to Caps Radio 24-7. Listen online via the Capitals mobile app at CapsRadio247.com. Or ask Alexa to play Caps Radio 24-7 on TuneIn.